Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac. Late jump into the show, and uh, why not? You got Adam, uh, Adam Wainwright on the program, and uh, it was great to hear from number 50. Congratulations on the Clemente Award. Really nice interview there with uh, Randy and Michelle. Coming up, we're going to visit with Nick Ragone, the Ascension Charity Classic coming to St. Louis. They donated a bundle of money last year, but some exciting news this year, and we're going to talk about that. We also have some uh, breaking news here with the NHL, the financial stalemate that threatened to derail the shortened season is now been dealt with apparently sources on both sides confirm Pierre Lebrun uh, he's saying that we are moving forward this is uh, NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly telling the Athletic we are moving forward with the process of working through all of the issues that need to be addressed and agreed to and that are obviously unique to playing a season during a pandemic so it's about moving ahead and continuing to plan the season there's still lots to get done but the NHLPA finally get, did get back to the NHL over the weekend regarding its financial ass as uh, my TSN pal Darren Drager first reported Monday night but when the NHLPA made some CBA ass in return the league said thanks but no thanks as one source put it to me can't fault players for wanting to return uh, get something in return yada 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 so now it's full steam ahead on continuing to hammer out the details which both sides hope will begin on January 13th Apparently, there's still work to be done on scheduling, protocols, and critical dates, but this is uh, a step in the right direction for the NHL. So we're going to talk about that later in the show with Alex Ferrario. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Before you know it, the weather is going to turn nice, and we're going to be congregating. We are going to have sporting events, and one of the great events coming to St. Louis will be the Ascension Charity Classic presented by Emerson. At the forefront of that and running this event is Nick Ragone from Emerson. Nick, always great to catch up. How are things going? It's going great. Uh, with Ascension, Executive Vice President, Chief Marketing Officer, uh, it's wonderful. You know, the weather's turned a little cold, but as you said, Spring is around the corner. The Masters kind of unofficially kicks off the golf season. And there's already excitement for September 6th, 6th through 12th next year to have our Ascension Charity Classic presented by Emerson. So I, I want to get into the golf in a little bit. But I, I do want to ask you, um, being in the health community and what's happening in our country, uh, how are people holding up uh, with Ascension and, and what's happening in, in, in your hospitals and the things that are happening nationwide? Well, I appreciate that question. You know, we, uh, we've been going through the, the country, the globe has been going through this pandemic now since late February, early March. And, um, we have extraordinary caregivers. I know you know that and they're, they're selfless. They're, they've been, you know, on the front lines of taking care of people now for almost a year. And they're, they're just extraordinary. I mean, I have so much regard and respect and, uh, for our caregivers and caregivers everywhere. And, you know, hopefully in the next few weeks, we'll we'll begin the process of vaccinating them and vaccinating the public. And I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. But I don't think any of us should take for granted for a moment uh, the selfless work that caregivers do. And even beyond the pandemic, I hope we don't forget that. I hope we, uh, you know, whether it's nurses, physicians, techs, uh, people that support them, 
Uh, they truly are heroic, and so um, I know I'm I'm moved and inspired by them every day. Yeah, what what's it like? What are some of the stories that you hear on a daily basis from those people? Because you're you're in this, you're intimately involved uh, with these caregivers and with the hospitals, and hearing the stories nationwide and and really globally. What are, what are some of the things that you hear about this? Uh, it, it's so tough, I'm sure, for sometimes to for you to hear these things. But what are some of the stories that you hear? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm very lucky in that, uh, my, my job as uh, chief marketing officer is, is to share our stories of our caregivers. And so it's a very, you know, it's a, it's a great responsibility and a privileged perch to have. And so I get to tell their story, help tell their stories. I mean, they tell their own stories, but I think, uh, what stands out to me over the last seven or eight months is just, uh, the selflessness. And um, we've had so many caregivers who, who, um, who go in and they put themselves at, at risk every day and, and they might even have loved ones at home that are, you know, they have responsibilities at home, yet they go in and they take care of others. And many times, especially early on during the pandemic, you know, that caregiver was the only the only person that could contact that patient. And, and many times, you know, even the family couldn't. And and uh, we had so many instances and pictures of caregivers, you know, fully masked up, you know, holding hands of patients while their loved ones couldn't. And those images just stick with you, right? They never leave you. And it's just a matter of uh, of capturing you know, not just the moment there, but but remembering that as we go beyond the pandemic, that th- these caregivers have really, uh, you know, they're those at Ascension. We we say it's not a job; it's a call, and they're called to serve our ministry. And it, it's never been more apparent. It, it, do you feel you mentioned light at the end of the tunnel? It, do you, do you feel like there's excitement right now that there's like the second wind? You you finally. Um, you know, for lack of a better term, you, you you got that second wind, and and all of a sudden, this is the push towards the end for some of these folks that they they can see it, they 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 can get there, they can push through this to get through this uh, this awful time. I think the mood of the country is, you know, the vaccine news has been good for everybody. I think uh, Moderna and Pfizer both are bringing uh, under emergency use authorization vaccines to the market pretty quickly. And I think we're all, all of us, I'm speaking on behalf of everybody in the country, we're all cautiously optimistic that, you know, these vaccines, people will take them. It's important uh, that they're, they're effective and safe. They've gone through the FDA process and, uh, and that we, we begin the process of immunizing our caregivers first, our frontline caregivers, there's 20 million of them across the country. And then those that are at high risk, um, elderly, those with comorbidities, and other, you know, other afflictions. And that eventually, you know, it makes its way to the general population. And there's more news every day coming out on this. And I would encourage everybody to to educate themselves on the importance of getting vaccinated and certainly the safety and efficacy of them. And and hopefully this will will turn the tide. Nick Ragone, and uh, he's my guest. And I want to talk golf too. Ascension Charity Classic, um, unfortunately canceled last year at Norwood Hills, but you still were able to do a great thing in our community. And let's go back to last year before we look ahead to this upcoming year. Um, you still are able to donate a whole hell of a lot of money to a lot of people that needed it. Uh, Nick, what were you able to do for people that don't know in North St. Louis County? Well, you're right. We, uh, you know, we were supposed to have the tournament uh, late September, early October. Uh, we, we canceled it. We just felt like it wasn't the right time, especially Ascension uh, being a hospital company and the PJ tour and everybody, the community we were close and they all understood, but because we, we were able to bring on Emerson, which is an extraordinary company as our presenting sponsor and worldwide as a founding partner and, and many other partners in the area stepped up during the year, knowing that there's a chance we might not play the tournament. 
because of all that community engagement, we were still able to donate $225,000 to the Boys and Girls Club Urban League and Mary Grove. And uh, according to the PGA Tour, it's the first tournament in the history of the PGA Tour to donate that much money without ever playing a single shot in the history of the event. So it's uh, it's a great distinction. While I wish we had played the tournament and we were able to, to engage the community, um, I'm really, really pleased that we were able to live up to our commitments for our primary charities, the three that I mentioned, while not playing a single shot. And again, it's a testament. If if people doubted for a second how special St. Louis is, how giving St. Louis is, how great a sports town St. Louis is, and how how much the, the companies in this area really do care about the community, um, that speaks volumes to it. And I, I couldn't be more appreciative of Emerson, of Dave Farr's leadership, and Kathy Bell and others, and, and Worldwide Technologies, and and uh, Dave Stewart and, and Matt Horner and others, they are amazing companies. And because of that, we are in such strong position that we're going to have, if we were able to do that with it without an event, just imagine how great this is going to be when we actually play with fans and have a pro-am and all that sort of thing. There's no doubt. How about the corporate uh, sponsors outside of those folks uh, who's stepping up uh, and, and are you starting to get some of that groundswell of support, uh, support as you look forward to uh, 2021? We are, you know, we've had a um, a busy off season. We hired uh, a new uh, director of community engagement and and new development, which is Alonzo Bird, former executive at Enterprise for many years, well known in the community, deep relationships, and so we brought him on board in October to take what what has been a good event so far into a great event. And uh, Alonzo comes from Enterprise, and um, obviously, you know, there's there's great p- partners in in the community that we were uh, that we're looking forward to re-engaging the centines of the world and Edward Jones's and Steve Full Enterprise and Express Scripts and Amron and others. And and they're all wonderful companies that engage on many levels all the time. Uh, obviously to go along with Emerson and Worldwide, who are two, you know, cornerstones of this event. And so we think that we have the foundation for what's going to be uh, really deep engagement. And I remind people this is not like the PGA at Bell Reeve, which is once every 10 years or 20 years. This is going to be every year in North County at Norwood and giving back to charities. And so we were able to give back $225,000 without an event. And my goal is for this to be the most charitable tournament on the PGA Tour champions starting in year two. So pretty ambitious goal, but I think we're going to do it. There's no doubt. I I was at the event, I guess it's been now a couple of months at Norwood. Everybody had a chance to play a little golf. And then we had a Zoom with some of the biggest names in the history of golf. And maybe you can describe what that event was like for our folks that are listening. It was awesome. Yeah, we wanted to commemorate what would have been the start of the event. So thankfully, you you know, thank you for donating your time. Emceed it. And we had uh, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, Hale Irwin, and Billy Andrade uh, doing a Zoom conference call. And I could tell you for the attendees, it was so much fun to see Jack and Tom in particular reminisce. Really was. As you know, they have an amazing history together going back to the, the duel in the sun at Turnberry in 77, Pebble Beach, the U.S. Open at 82. And they were genuinely sort of ribbing each other and reminiscing. And and they, they don't do that a lot anymore. You know, Jack is, is 80 now and Tom still plays a little bit and Hale does too. He lives in the area. But they were genuinely in Hale, too, talking about, you know, the U.S. Open in 74 that Hale Irwin won, that Watson was leading going into the final round. And I think we were all uh, – it was just like being, you know, in a, uh, the looking inside and seeing the history of those players and then talking about it for a golf fan. Uh, it was really, really special. And, you know, they have all been committed to the tournament. I think Tom will be in the field next year. Um, Hale is, is, you know, one of our brand ambassadors. 
and and Jack Nicholas will be, you know, we're doing a legends shootout on the Saturday of the event and, and Jack is committed to that. And so uh, it might be one of the last times he visits St. Louis. And so the, the PGA tour and the players and the champion tour players couldn't be more supportive. They know how important St. Louis is as a market. They know how, uh, great of a sports town after the 2018 PGA Bell Reeve, which Tiger said was the best experience he's ever had at a tournament. I think they are all invested in making sure that this is a home run. Can you get Mickelson here? I want to see Phil Mickelson. I want to see him saying, I'm hitting bombs in St. Louis. So what, what do you have on that, Nick? We are working hard on Phil. Uh, we, you know, it's great news. He's played two events and he's won both and he won his first event in Missouri, which is a good omen. Yeah. Uh, so we, we're working hard on Phil, on Ernie, and Jim Furyk. I, I personally think all three will be in the field. I think we're going to have a stacked field. Bernard Longer, Freddie Couples, uh, Tom Lehman, all the big stars. Mike Weir, Padraig Harrington. Uh, Justin Leonard turns 50 soon. So does David Duvall. But wow. we are – and if any, all you golf fans, that your listeners that are golf fans, Phil is very active on social media. So feel free to at tweet him to remind him to, to be in September next uh, September 6th through 12th. And uh, Steve Stricker, you know, we're going to, we, we will have one of the strongest fields of the year. No doubt about it. And John Daly, and that's another guy. John too. Daly, you know, Missouri's own John Daly. Uh, he, I'm sure he'll be there. In fact, he's already told us he's so excited and he's uh, uh, keep him in your thoughts. He's battling um, cancer right now, bladder cancer, I believe. And so we're all thinking about John but it, it'll be a, a really good field. And just remember, in five years, a guy named Tiger turns 50. Now, have you already worked on Tiger? That's good. That might be a tough one. Uh, Tiger, you know, I think he's trying to figure out what his body will let him do. But I get the sense that, you know, Phil had said for a long time he wasn't going to play a Champions Tour. And then, and then he won his first two events. And now he's a big brand ambassador for the Tour. And I think these guys, they love winning. And so in five years, if Tiger, you know, isn't really as, as competitive on the big Tour... Uh, he would be dominant on the PGA Tour champions. And, you know, you, you're around athletes all the time. They're competitive. They love to win. And so I think uh, I think Phil being so into it has turned a lot of heads because he had said for a long time he was just going to play the big tour. And now, he, you know, he's not as competitive anymore on the big tour, but he's dominating on the champions tour. And I think he likes that. I, I do too. And you mentioned that that Nicholas would play on Saturday. So, so potentially. So, uh, and some of these huge names that we know in golf, it's an intimate setting in golf. Would would fans be able to get fairly up close if they get a ticket with this event? I, I think that's something that people really want to know about because at Bell Reeve, you could be ten or fifteen deep. With this event, that probably would not necessarily be the case. Yeah, I mean, you, you you're going to be able to walk, uh, not inside the ropes, but you know, Bell Reeve, it was fifty thousand people a day. We'll have ten to fifteen thousand, which is probably just small of a regular tour event. But you'll be able to play in the pro-ams, which Bell Reeve didn't have. Uh, so you'll be able to play alongside your, you know, some of the great players of the game. And then watching on the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it'll be an amazing viewing experience. We'll have all the, the space for hospitality and tents and entertaining colleagues and all that. But at the same time, you'll be able to see amazing golf up close. And um, for anybody that hasn't played in a pro-am, they're really, really a lot of fun. They're special. Um and we, uh, I couldn't encourage people more to, to you know, think about playing and get a, you know, if you're a big company, if you're a law firm or a accounting firm and you want to entertain clients, if you're just a big company in the area or, you know, or growing small business and you want to spend some time with your colleagues, this is the perfect setting to do it. So the best way to get a ticket or find out about that, where do you go, Nick? Um, you could go to our website, ascensioncharityclassic.com. You can learn about tickets. We've already, you know, we, we started selling tickets in mid-October. 
the first day we went on sale, we sold 3,000 tickets for an event that's a year away. Awesome. That tells you how much pent up the demand there is for to, for live sports. I think uh, it says everything you need to know. I mean, again, to put it in context, we most PGA Tour events get 15,000 fans a day. We think we'll do that. So we think we'll be equivalent to a PGA Tour event. Um, the experience at Bell Reeve was the most attended tournament in the history of the PGA championship. And so it just tells you how enthusiastic fans are. Yeah. And by that time, God willing, we are all congregating and with no issues. And if you want to come on out and enjoy some golf outside too, we should say, and we're uh, at a great place at Norwood Hills, it should be a great event and a lot of fun. And you guys are doing unbelievable work here in St. Louis. And thanks for everything you're doing, Nick. I really appreciate it. Thank you, daddy. I appreciate your support of the tournament and look forward to getting out there. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs. Okay, and Alex are coming up, and I'm sure they're going to dive into this, but uh, we mentioned when we came on the air for this program that the NHL looking at a start date potentially beginning on January 13th. Now, there's still work to be done on scheduling, COVID protocols, uh, critical dates, all that, Alex, but... um, Again, if you read the article, it's on The Athletic. Pierre Lebrun, one of the top insiders in sports, certainly for hockey, reported this this morning. This, generally speaking, is a step, a major step in the right direction. Yeah, this is a huge step in the positive direction because before, Dan, we weren't even talking about a date. We were just saying, well, it could start around this time. Now we have a date that the NHL has set in place, and that's January 13th. Now, what Pierre Lebrun has stated and what people need to remember is that's a very loose date right now. Like, at least from the reporting, the economic side of all of this, it seems the owners have just kind of said, okay, there's nothing we can do. Let's move forward. I believe the report was there. There is a little bit of deferment percentage for the players that are deferring money. But overall, they're not touching the escrow, which is what the owners originally wanted. But now what the steps are. You have to come to an agreement, of course, on what the standards of the season are going to look like, meaning is there going to be a realigned division? How are they going to play? Um, You know, what does training camp look like? All of those things, the health side of this thing. And then on top of that, that all has to be approved by the Board of Governors and needs to be two-thirds of votes approval. And the problem with all of this was on the owner's side, remember, Dan, at the beginning of this, there was seven, I think the number was somewhere between four and seven owners didn't want to play the season at all. So you're going to have to get two-thirds of votes from the ownership to say that January 13th is when we're starting and to agree upon everything. I don't think that's going to be a holdup because, frankly, we're at this point now, which means they're starting to make some common ground. But there are some loopholes to get over on top of the fact that rising numbers of COVID in the U.S., might hold back when they hope to start because they are planning on playing in their own buildings. And then the vaccine, though, you know, comes out this week. Uh, we're seeing it over overseas being um, administered today. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that factor into what they're talking about with, with potentially starting, you'd have to assume, no fans, but then maybe finishing up the season, being able to get some people into arenas? I think that's why the NHL at least is wanting to start in their own arenas because they know that there's light at the end of the tunnel where you can get people back in the building at some point. Maybe it's not till April or May. Maybe it's not till the postseason, but they know that that's there. So I don't know if they're talking as much about the hub cities that we were originally talking about. The other interesting point of all of this is the vaccination that you mentioned. 
does the NHL and NHLPA say the players have to get those? I don't think they can force players to get the vaccination before they play, but is that a part of it? And I think that comes into local governments as well. Of it's kind really of, interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I think it comes into local governments as well of how do they come into play? Of Are they going to allow? Because look at California, right? Like San Francisco 49ers can't play in their own building. Mm-hmm. Is California going to allow the San Jose Sharks and the L.A. Kings and Anaheim Ducks to play in their buildings, or are they going to force them not to play there? So there are some loopholes, but again, if you're going to take positive things away from anything, Dan, it's the fact that they have set a date of January 13th, which all signs would point to this week is when they're hoping to get all of those kind of black and white areas finalized so that they can get ready to play. So if you, let's just say for argument's sake, we're going to play on, on January 13th, you're going to drop the puck for a season. How many games realistically do you think you could get in because you're, you're, the back end of this, you know, is the Olympics. Right. NBC does now want to have that overlap into the Olympics. So um, how many games do you think realistically as, as you dive into this? And you do a great job covering the NHL. How many games do you think you could realistically get in? I think it's 56. I really do. And it's not going to be the easiest task because January 13th, and, and I think they said the, the cutoff date is the is July 1st when the Olympics start. Technically, Stanley Cup finals usually end in June, and I don't see them expanding the postseason this season. They, at least they haven't talked about that yet. So 56 games seems very doable because you're looking at three to four games in a week. And, and I think they are still talking about realigning the divisions. So if you're playing 56 games, Dan, you're not playing all of these games on the East Coast and all of these games on the West Coast. You might be playing a majority of your games in this realigned central Midwest division that you're going to be playing in. And they've talked about, which I think we're going to get into today on BK and Ferrario. They've talked about playing like baseball style where you come into a arena and you play three games in four days against that team and kind of wipe out that season against them. So mm. there are a lot of different That'd be loopholes. Kind of fun, actually. It would be because it's going to build up those rivalries. Right, a little right? playoff action there. I think it's perfect. So there are loopholes that the NHL's finding right now to get 56 games in. So I think that sweet spot is somewhere between 54 and 56. Got to wonder if the California teams would even have a home this year. I wonder where they go, especially because, I mean, if you're not telling football players that they can play because it's a contact sport, hockey is even more of a contact sport. So I think they're going to find a way to let these guys play in those arenas, um, mostly because at least and I know it was a bubble, but the NHL had had really good numbers throughout their season. So that might at least help them. And that's going to come into the safety protocol that they come into place with. Um, But if they don't, then you're going to be looking at in that realigned division. But the problem is, Dan, those West Coast teams like the California, because you're going to have the NBA schedules to deal with now. Yeah, because the NBA teams point. are complaining. Remember, a lot of these teams have two or three NBA teams that they're dealing with as well. Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah. All right, what's coming up on your show? So we're, we got Jeremy Rutherford joining us today to uh, to talk a little bit about all of this news in the NHL. And uh, Trency Rosencross, who covers the Cincinnati Reds, he broke the news yesterday of Rossiel Iglesias being traded away, traded to the Angels. So we're going to get into that with the NL Central. And uh, we heard Wayno today on Carriker and Smallman, so we'll get into some of that as well. So a lot of fun stuff. And there's talk about Sonny Gray being moved with the Reds as they're looking to cut payroll. This NL Central is so fascinating because it is literally... Archie Bradley wasn't picked up. Right. I mean, they're, they're the NL Central is for the taking. This is an old school Western standoff, right? Like this yeah. is an old school cowboy standoff where you're just standing there waiting for the other person to draw. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I can't uh, wait for it. Good stuff. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Danny. You've been listening to Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast powered by I Promise.